The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, this is the Week in Review, some of the best interviews from the past week at the Crude Life Media Network and the Multimedia Cafe. Of course, the Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitters and YouTubes, all of our social media links, 350,000 followers available at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. But this is the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review, so let's take a look at what the menu's got. Destiny McMillan, senior landman from Northern Colorado Legal Support, talks about the new oil and gas regulations in Colorado, and they're having some major impacts already bleeding over into Wyoming, and some companies have closed shop, left, and went to Wyoming, or went to Oklahoma. Sorry, they left Colorado and went to Oklahoma, and companies in Wyoming are starting to feel the pinch. So anyway, then we talk with Terry Edom, energy writer and author, talks about the uh, the rise of environmentalism, which is going along with Destiny McMillan's story about what's going on in Colorado. And then we also talk with Mark Bullock, BMA Biotech, and he's actually a solution to what Terry Edom and Destiny McMillan are talking about that the environmentalists are upset about that. Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech has a number of products that he's been developing, and one of them has been finding great success in the oil and gas industry because what happens is is that energy companies, oil companies, when there's a spill, cleanup company comes in. Well, after the cleanup's done, the energy company's still on the hook, not the cleanup company. So that's what we talk about, just some accountability, transparency, and Saving the environment. Ha! It's an environment show today in the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, let's get to it. Destiny McMillan, Senior Landman with Northern Colorado Legal Support. Destiny McMillan, Northern Colorado Legal Support. Otherwise known as a Senior Landman. And is that, uh, is that true? You're a Senior Landman? It's true. So I've been a senior landman for a couple of years now. So just very, you know, naivete. Is there a junior landman? I've never heard that term. Yeah. So, you know, there's several bridges up through the, um, the land department. You can generally start as like a lease analyst, land tech, um, and then you move into the, you know, like junior landman. Some people call it an associate landman. That's what um, I've heard. And it's, yeah, it's different at different companies. Everyone has their own nomenclature. Um, but then once you re- reach a certain level, um, senior land man is kind of the, the rung right below a land manager. All right. Well, thank you for that quick overview. Sometimes I like to do just like a little one-on-one, little or a little one-on-one, if you will. Just a lot, lot of new faces in the oil and gas industry. And today's topic is... One of the, uh, in my opinion, one of those examples of the new faces in the industry. On our program, we said for probably the last seven years, there's a vetting process going on in the oil and gas industry right now. There's a 
change happening to where we've said this three, four, five years ago with the narrative when it comes to environmental and environmentalism and, and the environment to where let's get rid of fossil fuels is the new narrative. And that's that's astounding to me because that's an, that, that's actually an insane comment by its literal definition. It would be uh, the walking dead without zombies in three days without any drilling at all. That's just that's fact. That's not even debatable. So the fact that we've gotten to the point to where two presidential candidates now are actually saying, I'm going to ban drilling once I'm elected president. That that's crazy. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. And now Colorado has even gone to the point to where there's some banning of certain drilling areas to where I've read reports that anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of all active or, or available uh, ga- gas reserves, oil and gas reserves are going to be impacted. So there's there's a sea of change going on. What I'm getting to about the vetting process was there's about 70 percent of the industry retiring. And it's probably down in the next three years now. It's been happening over the next three or last three or four. So there's a vetting process going to where they want to make sure that the new generation coming in has an understanding of the business that's been built and a respect for the land. So that's why we brought on Destiny McMillan, senior land man, to talk about some of these changes, some of the things that are happening in Colorado. And I, I went a little overboard on my monologue, so I do apologize. And we try not to get political on this program, but we've been trying to, to I guess, be chicken little because for us, this isn't politics. This is reality that the narrative has really gotten to the point to where they're banning oil and gas drilling in states now. And I've even read to where they're bleeding into Wyoming, possibly. But two presidential candidates are now just have no problem saying an absolutely insane comment like that. So um, how are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, um, the oil and gas industry is not a stranger to downturns, and um, you're right. There, there's a lack of personnel um, between the ages of, you know, 40 and retirement age. You know, I have a theory that um, landmen never retire, um, and that's just, I'm third generation oil and gas, and both of my uh, grandfathers retired several times before they actually, you know, hung up the, hung up their hats. But um, there is, there is some concern about, you know, the political rhetoric. Um, and it's, it is fairly new. Um, and, and it's got, it's got ramped up very quickly. I think it's, it it's, did. It, it went, and it accelerated. Were, were over, yeah. And the impacts were overnight. You know, I, um, people, People have been talking about it. Here in Colorado, um, Proposition 112 was introduced to our ballot last November. And the oil and gas industry, you know, had to really come together quickly and get the messaging out and, and do that. We had, not, we had not prepared for that. We were, we were not really um, engaged in that because our job are to go out and produce energy so that when everyone flicks on a light switcher turns on their heater, their heat comes on. So it was a a new kind of political landscape, even for me personally. Um, You know, I went and we we defeated Proposition 112 in Colorado, and we all thought, okay, we've got a little bit of breathing room. The voters in Colorado want us to seriously look at the environmental impacts and, um, you know, 
show them what our what our what our safety regulations really look like out in the field. And so we were, you know, I'm on the um, uh, board for the COGA, um, a committee actually for COGA, and one of our talking points was we need to really um, get some messaging out to the general public about, you know, these are the safety regulations. Colorado owns the most patents for safety equipment that's used out in the field. Um, we have some of the smartest people, the smartest engineers um, in Colorado that work every day to try and improve um, air quality. They try and improve safety um, at the, you know, at the wellhead. Destiny McMillan, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Destiny McMillan, Senior Landman, Northern Colorado Legal Support. My name is Jason Spies, and you're listening to the Week in Review. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with and we continue the conversation with Destiny McMillan, Senior Landman for Northern Colorado Legal Support. Um, at the, you know, at the wellhead. Um, and so there, there was all of this stuff that was going on behind the scenes for years that no one, no one really talked about because... Our industry is really kind of private. I mean, we we are not out there, you know, um, you know, we don't put up billboards. We just don't do that kind of, um, I guess, positive messaging, if you will. So it kind of caught everyone on their heels um, when this Senate bill um, popped up. And we had kind of hoped that there was going to be a little more dialogue and maybe a chance for amendments and, and really get down to the nitty-gritty and, and see what was in that bill that, um, what was the real purpose of this bill. Um, and, of course, you know, I'm sure you saw that um, that bill was, was passed very quickly. Um, I, along with um, thousands of um, landmen and field workers and roughnecks, um, we all went and testified to the Senate to, you know, kind of explain, like, there's not been an economic um, impact study to show what happens when, as you said, 60% of one area um, loses revenue. How does that impact people locally? How does that impact the entire state's economy? So it kind of happened really fast, and now everyone is is really looking at, like, okay, what are, 
we had some support from like the Weld County commissioners had um, a meeting this morning and were, you know, basically saying we're behind this industry 100%. And um, so now we're really kind of starting to focus on what's going to happen at the COGCC. Um, but we don't know um, the counties that are, um, you know, maybe a little wishy-washy on, on whether they support us. They're trying to throw together committees to um, meet the the new standards for the law. So it's just kind of been a it's kind of been a little bit of a um, a runaround, I guess, for lack of a better term. Well, it's uncharted territory, and it is. and mm-hmm. it's the the closest thing that I've seen is the smoking ban, which happened in a lot of different areas where you have so many feet away from a building that you can smoke, yada yada. It's not. It's not in the same ballpark, but it's in the same blueprint, if that makes sense, to where it was a it was kind of a back doorway to ban something through public health and safety. And mm-hmm. that, that's pretty much the way I saw it in Colorado. And when when I saw that in November, we started actually having people on our program from the education standpoint that, listen, folks, we're not trying to be chicken little here. This is organized. There's there's a mm-hmm. there, you know, there's resources behind this. And. Colorado to me seemed like the test state because, well, it's a very outdoor, you know, earthy granola, you know, whatever. What's what, hippie nonsense, as my friend always calls me, because I, I I get into some hippie stuff. I love Colorado. I, I like hiking. I like the outdoors. So people call me a hippie. But um, of course, it, you know, Colorado's a little bit more left leaning is what I'm getting at versus a Wyoming or North Dakota or Texas. But now I'm even seeing where Wyoming is even looking at implementing some of these things. Have you have you seen those reports coming up too? You know, I have. I've seen, um, I think the, the most um, provocative for me was the district court judge who um, basically put a halt on all of the, there's like 500,000 acres worth of federal leases claiming that the um, environmental impact study had not been done to his satisfaction. And um, that's the first time that we've had the court, you know, really... Um, I guess just totally and in, in, in entirely not um, validate leases that were bought and paid for, you know, by private companies to the government. And so that was that, that's a little alarming to me. I've been kind of trying to follow that really closely just to see how that shakes out. Um, I'm not 100% familiar with what exactly that, did, you know, what studies he wants to see done, but I think that that's going to be really impactful to the state of Wyoming. And if it, you know, if that, if that becomes the new normal, that's going to affect all states. Oh, this is, this is, this is part of the paradigm shift that's going on in oil and gas right now that I did not see coming. We, on our program here, we've been talking about the paradigm shift for the last decade, horizontal drilling, um, uh, hydraulic fracturing. We've got dozens of CEOs on our programs talking about the paradigm shift that happened because of that. And so everything is changing. The technology sector has actually been just been booming because of the oil and gas integration and and everything along those lines. This I did not really see coming to where this is going to impact communities. I mean, the only industry that's added jobs in the last decade is the oil and gas industry. All of the other industries have not added jobs. If you take a net gain at the end of 10 years, the mining industry, because of the oil and gas, is the only industry. 
So that, 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 that's what scares me is that, that, that's the, that's the reality. And so you start looking at some of these oil and gas communities, you take it out. I just read this morning where now $34 million is not going to be budgeted for a local school or a gymnasium now. And I forget the name of the town because they're not going to get the oil and gas revenue. And so you're starting to see the trickle effect happen before anything happens. Because we're, we're exactly. in the uncharted territory, so people are just reacting and trying to figure things. By the way, uh, Destiny McMillan on the line with us here, senior landman with Northern Colorado Legal Support, third-generation oil and gas. Also, uh, I did a quick look at your LinkedIn profile. Did you get an award for uh, women in oil and gas being one of the, the, the leaders in terms of the industry? I did. In 2017, I was honored by the... Um, Denver Business Journal was um, one of the top women in energy in, here in Colorado. Was, so, I was very honored. I'm hum- I was humbled to accept that. Well, we're humbled to have you on the program because, you know, be- between between your third generation and your uh, awards and everything, we'll call you an expert since we're talking about <laughs> call, call, call. Well, hey, you know what? You, you, play, you pay, you play. You've done it. So good for you. You know, you're there. You're an expert status now. Um, oh, well, thank you. You're, you're welcome. It. So what's next? What, what are you hearing from companies? What is your company doing to adjust? Just uh, I, I know we're in uncharted territories, but has anybody made any, you know, real moves? You know, has, has, has somebody got up and left and said, all right, we're moving to New Mexico? Yeah, I, um, you know, aside from the people that I serve, so I'm, I'm considered a third party consultant to the industry. So um, you know, I've worked with um, the Extraction, I've worked with Noble. Um, those companies, you know, they have their own um, issues. I feel like they're going to be in a better um, position to, you know, ride out and see how this, how this really actually plays out. But in the meantime, the third-party consultants, uh, those are the first people to go. And so, you know, if they, if they have to trim fat, so to speak, um, it's people like me and my company that that are immediately impacted. Um, this happens during downturns, but generally, a downturn happens, um, you know, a little a little more slowly. You kind of you kind of see things trickle off versus just you know the hammer dropping and people walking away. Um, I have had to really kind of turn my focus to you know if if companies in Colorado are not going to be needing title opinions or needing title to be looked at, um, then where do I go? Is it Wyoming? And like we just discussed, Wyoming's kind of, you know, they've got a great, um, they've got two great plays up there, the Green River and the Potter River. Um, But, you know, how are are they going to be affected? Um, Again, you can go to Texas. The Bakken is great where you are. Um, and so those are things that I really have to look at. Um, there are companies that have just, they just shut down. Um, I had a company that was working with me in Weld County um, on the western half, and they had, you know, almost $17 million slated to do a project up there, and they just said, Destiny, we, you know, we can't, we don't know if we're going to be able to realize our investment, and so we can't do anything until we this whole thing rides out until we see what's going to happen you the last thing you want to do is spend that amount of money and then not be able to um you know 
profit off of it, right? That's interesting um, how you how you said downturn because you know the industry is not going through a downturn. Just the state of Colorado is going exactly. through a downturn. It's wow, a downturn by legislation. Totally, yeah. Downturn by yeah, legislation. The industry is, mm-hmm. the industry is booming um, outside of Colorado, as you know. Um, we finally reached national energy independence. And that was Destiny McMillan, Senior Landman, Northern Colorado Legal Support. If you'd like to check out the full-length interview or other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. The social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. This is the Multimedia Cafe. We can review. My name is Jason Spies. Take a quick break. We come back. Terry Edom, energy writer and author, right here on the Multimedia Cafe. We can review. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe. Coming up next, Terry Edom, energy writer and author. Hi, this is Terry Edom, writer for the BOE Report and Public Energy Number 1. Also the author of The End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. So how's the book sales? How's the book uh, treating you these days? book is okay i think it's kind of hard to tell because sales are only online so um i get a report back and sold uh 600 copies through march which i don't know if that's good or bad but um yeah hey it's better than 500 better than 300 you know i mean it's something you know it's something and uh it's one of those things like you you mentioned it's hard writing about fossil fuels and it's hard to get anybody's attention about a book about fossil fuels it doesn't really compete with kardashians or anything else so um uh so it takes a bit of effort for word of mouth to to get around i think and then hopefully it engages with the public it seems to be so far there's a lot of good reviews and people have really enjoyed it so far so i'm just hoping that it'll keep spreading so i wanted to ask you because you and i've had some conversations about these just the rise of environmentalism how it's gotten to like a religious status for a lot of people it's gotten to uh, a polarizing extreme places to where the narrative, like we said in our previous interview just like a month ago, that the narrative seems to be to get rid of fossil fuels or to end drilling. And now, flash forward a month ahead of time here and to current day, 
And we've got two presidential candidates, uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who I would call front runners of their party, uh, talking about banning drilling. And that's where we're at now to where you and I a month ago were just pontificating about this narrative switch. Now, a month later, Colorado signs into law some major restrictions on what people are calling about over half of banning of the industry. And now you got two presidential candidates talking about banning drilling. And just two days ago, the governor, or whenever the 16th, when he signed the bill, said war on oil and gas, actually uttered the words war on oil and gas. What's going on, man? I mean, what, what's what what happened in 30 days that, um, you know, it, it, it ramped up quick is what I'm saying. Astonishing that the whole trajectory of the world is changing in at, in this time frame. It's like you're saying. I read a uh, FERC uh, allowed um, the expansion of or the creation of several LNG export facilities on the Gulf Coast, and and part of their criteria, the thing they were concerned about in future, was the impact of climate change of allowing any more of these facilities. And this is natural gas we're talking about now. So, and six months ago, that was unheard of. So. You're right, it's just changing at warp speed, and I, I think the this narrative, it, it's like a mania to me, or religion, like you said, that's just gripped the world, and it's just a, a self-feeding thing. Now, you have people in Europe, groups, um, Extinction Rebellion, this group I read about, that's just sitting down in the middle of the street and blocking the streets off, and it's just, uh, it, it's accelerated like nothing I've ever seen. So I I'm, haven't really followed the presidential campaign which i probably mm-hmm. won't uh being a non-political program that's one of that's one of the beauties that we can have we tried to do politics mm-hmm. for a little bit we sent an intern in and a half hour later from watching all this the 24-hour news shows he came back a 90 year old man so we we, we decided not to, i'm just kidding um it just sucked the life right out of him are are bernie sanders or um elizabeth warren even saying what the solution would be or are they just finger pointing saying you know let's just ban it do, do you know because i i haven't seen any solutions or heard of any solutions well i think that's the the key turning point for us as an industry is, the, is you you're onto something there is that they have no solutions i think they're just re- trying to reflect this wave of opinion that's just taking over you have everyone talking about climate change it's everywhere and um uh, and but it's, it's just gone too far, too fast, and there's nothing that can be done about it in the short term. And we saw that up in Canada here. We've had a couple of governments that got put in place that were green, greenish or green-leaning anyways, and um, their tone changes once they get in power. We had that in Alberta here. That once once you actually have to run the show, then, then and someone hands you the keys and says, okay, you want it to go green, well, make it happen. And then when they actually have to deal with that and realize, oh, well, do I want to wipe out existing industries? Do I want to rewire the country at an unknown cost? Uh, when they're faced with those actual challenges, then they kind of slink back away from, from the claims that they're making, which is, I suspect, what's happening with your candidates here. They're trying to make political hay by, by talking the talk that is all part of the news narrative right now. And it, it's everywhere, like climate change, obviously, the discussion is, every discussion hinges on climate change now. It's become a joke almost about everything you see that has a negative impact is climate change. And, excuse me, they're just riding that wave. So I could see why they're doing it. 
when push comes to shove, if they ever get in your power, I don't think that they would stand by it. Where's the media? You know, you and I work in the media. Um, I'm I'm in the third world of media, so I mean, there's there there you know any I'm fine. I got my niche. I'm I'm very happy. I found my place in the media. Um, but you know, we're not we're not Fox News. We're not MSNBC. We're not CNN. We're not NBC, CBS, Viacom, whatever you name. It. We're not one of the big guys. How are they allowing this um, narrative to even be there? I mean, I, I said this in my last interview that. You know, every year you got some crazy presidential candidates, you know, maybe the guy that wears a Merlin hat and he wants to, you know, legislate dragons. To me, that's almost as sane as trying to ban oil and gas. I mean, that is how crazy that statement is, that it should be in there with dragon legislation. How come the media isn't, how are they allowing this? You know what I mean? Is it just kind of, is it really the Kardashians keeping up with the Joneses that kind of dictates everything or what? I'm just astounded. Well, I'm I just astounded. It, well, I, I'm astonished too, and it's a bit through um, for any of your your audience is old enough to remember the dot com boom or the housing boom, um, and it just seems to be these manias where they just lose any their feet leave the ground and they just start floating in the wind with the, the tide of opinion. I remember in the housing boom in the U.S. reading these articles from. Um, websites which were running counter to the narrative and they were saying like this is insane like you can't be giving mortgages to people with no jobs and no income and it was happening before everyone's eyes and 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 a few people who and we feel like that now i think looking in at this madness going this you can't be serious about this but it happened and then it blew up inevitably these things blow up and it was the same with the dot-com movement in the late 90s when when kids 15 year old kids would start a website and sell it for two million bucks and that this was happening all over and this is the new age and then it just kind of blew up and this is going to blow up too because like you say it's it's just not feasible you can't you can't replace fossil fuels in any time frame you can want to and you can start working towards it and you can promote energy efficiency measures and whatnot but the the pace that this has just picked up is just i i think it's just media's kind of lost its mind they're just going with the flow which is being pushed by the the people behind it there's they claim to have like a hundred thousand scientists that have signed on they've they've captured the market on any kind of academic studies and um they, they just they're pushing out this material at an outrageous pace there's this really funny uh twitter feed that got sent around last week um some wise guy on twitter or woman i think it is she compiled a, a list of headlines from around the world about all the places that claim to be warming faster than the global average. And it's almost every region on Earth. Every <laughs> every country claims to be warming anywhere from two to ten times faster than, than the global average. And it's just this page after page of these headlines, and it just makes you laugh after a while. And, and then some climate scientists jumped in and said, oh, well, that's, of course, countries warm faster, land warms faster than the ocean, so that explains it. And then this this wise guy on Twitter put up a bunch of more headlines that said, well, the Pacific Ocean is warming 15 times faster than previously thought, and the Indian Ocean and all of these oceans. So if you step back and you look at the, if you add up, if you have the time, and you can analyze this media narrative, it's just completely gone bonkers. But people are buying into it because they think it gets votes. So It's just, it's amazing that uh, the media allows it. Like I said, to me, the when you take a step back and listen to somebody utter the sentence, we're going to ban drilling. That is 
as crazy as dragon legislation. It is just. It is. It is. I mean, I, I, I feel stupid saying it. I actually feel like I'm I'm being judged for saying such a ridiculous comment because I, I, I just when I heard that, I actually stopped and just stared and went, well, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> it, it is too absurd for words. And, and part of the problem circles back to what you said earlier about you want to be non-political or apolitical, which is a, a wise move. Um but people keep wanting to make this energy thing political, so they, they, they haul politics into it. And that was Terry Edom, the energy writer and author for the BOE Report and the End of the Fossil Fuel Insanity. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on our social media links like YouTube and Facebook and the Twitters. All those links are available at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. But this is the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Coming up next, Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech, one of the solutions to helping out the earth and the environment right here on the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Last night I went out drinking with my buddies at the press box bar. We drank until we could barely stand up and sang songs and play guitar. Yeah, things got pretty rowdy. I got home about a quarter to four. I promised myself this morning I wasn't drinking anymore. But now I'm back at the bar again Hanging out with all my rowdy friends Getting drunk and singing redneck songs I'll probably stay here, baby, all night long Pour me a beer. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. One of the things going on in the oil and gas world is that these service companies, uh, when it comes to like chemical spills and that sort of thing, we're hearing more and more of them that are on the hook with the yeah. different uh, environmental service companies that they're not the ones on the hook. Rather, the oil and gas companies are yeah. the ones on the hook. Talk to me about that. So it basically comes down to the, I think, I know in Texas it's called the responsible party. Um, outside of Texas, I couldn't tell you what it's called, but basically the the company that caused the spill, for want of a better word, is the ones that are 
and legally on the hook for the cleanup. And just a very quick overview, how, how does somebody, if, if you want to call it a mental checklist, how does somebody screen a company like yourself? The best thing to do is look at um, what they're telling you about their products and the capabilities of their products and generally just Google, just Google it and you'll find that there's enough academic research out there to, to prove or disprove their theory. Um, you know, if someone, for instance, claims their product turns crude oil into, into sand, you know, Google crude oil into sand and you'll find it's physically impossible to do. Now, you actually are starting this environmental company, this environmental arm of the company due to demand. You actually have another uh, oil and gas service company, but so many of your customers were talking about this issue that you guys have actually went ahead and started a service company based on, you know, the, the trust of your clients, et cetera. Talk to me about this this company and how it got started and just kind of, uh, did I explain it correctly? Yeah, so basically we start off in oil field chemicals, manufacturing um, new chemicals. So um, we are only one of a few hand, handful of companies in the U.S., in fact, the whole world, that offer um, a new range of products that which are non-petrochemical based. Um, but from there, we also developed a soil remedia microbial remediation product, sorry, and we improved our formulation by adding uh, more microorganisms than any other product on the planet, uh, which is far more sustainable and effective. Um, from there, obviously, we've had com you know companies come back to us say, you know, we've used this company that's not done a very good job or anything like that. Can you do, you know, can you clean up their mess for want of a better word? So out of the demand for that, that's why we branched off into a separate entity of um, environmental services for the oil and gas industry. Talk to me about some of the experiences you've had out in the field. This is relatively new and you guys have captured some good success because of the demand. Uh, is this something that you guys were... Uh, trying to, you know, add on at some point. It, explain how you were so successful out of the gate. Well, basically what we'd done was um, when we started to branch off into oil field chemicals um, and soil rem uh, bioremediation-based uh, bio products, we had put together um, a very unique scientific development team and brought in um, engineers who had dealt within various sectors of the oil and gas industry for a number of years and basically developed our products off of that. So you're not just getting the scientists, you're also getting the engineers in the same room who has dealt with on the, you know, on the ground treatment and everything else or flow assurance or whatever. And then from there, obviously, when we've had requests, we've used our own engineering, our own engineering consultancy department to you know, basically go and do the projects and do the cleanups. So that's why, that's how we've got into it and been so successful because we've put two sides that don't normally speak into the same room to develop world-class products. But then from there, obviously, when we've had requests, we've obviously had the staff on hand to go out and do the environmental site assessments, which is the initial um, review of the spill and the extent of the spill. And then obviously, you know, we have service technicians now which go and clean up the spill under the, guidance of um, one of our engineers or someone who's certified within, you know, the, uh, as, a pro as a remediation project manager. 
So just give someone a quick overview of how to an FAQ, if you will. Um, somebody has a spill or maybe there's somebody who did not do a spill correctly. Just give them kind of a quick overview of uh, what to do. And I mean, you can go ahead and give your company a plug because at the end of the day, obviously somebody, a company like yours needs to be called, but explain yep. how somebody gets to you and then we'll give them the obvious, which is your company. But you know, it's kind of, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's gotta be signs and signals. Yep. So typically um, on the initial spill, um, if it's say, um, on a tank battery on a pad site. Uh, typically, the assessment will be uh, the initial assessment will be done by the operator themselves. They'll have a most states have like a a you know a report filling uh, a report sheet that they submit to the state environmental authorities. Then they bring in companies like mine to do the overall uh, report, the environmental site assessment. Who will then look at you know the extent of the spill, how deep does it go down, how much of an area does it cover. Has there been any subsurface leaching into the groundwater? And then based on the information gathered in the environmental site assessment, we will then devise a suitable treatment plan. Um, that's how it should work. However, what we're finding now is operators will do their own environmental assessments, which are very accurate and very good. And then they bring in a company that claims you know, their product can do this, that, and the other, where their product cannot do what they're claiming because it's physically or scientifically impossible. So what the operator is not seeing is the contamination is being pushed further down into the subsurface and leaching into groundwater quicker than what it should. Um, and then that's when we come in. We then have to obviously not only do the initial assessment, we have to then, you know, figure out how much contamination are they caused to go from subsurface into groundwater, um, you know, how contaminated is the groundwater, and then figure out a two-phase treatment plan so it's not just the soil. We're also looking at, you know. And that was Mark Bullock with BMA Biotech. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. And that's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank Mark Bullock of BMA Biotech once again, Terry Edom, an energy writer and author, as well as Denise McMillan, senior landman from Northern Colorado Legal Support. Thank you very much for joining today's program here at the Multimedia Cafe Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. We'll be back next week at this time on this station. And for those of you tuning in on the Internet, thank you very much for choosing us as part of your weekly content. We know there's a million different places to get your content and a million different people doing it. So we appreciate it very much. Any attention you give towards our multimedia cafe and the crude life media network especially on the itunes and those uh podcast places that are not the radio thank you very much and radio thank you very much for allowing me to say that i love how we all work together as a big team and that's what we do here at the multimedia cafe and i'm looking at the clock and we've got to run folks from the staff at the multimedia cafe we can review my name is jason Spees, asking you to save your life and enjoy the spice Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. 
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 